Amen. I'd like to uh, turn your attention to Mother's Day, and there's a lot of uh, mothers here today, a lot of ladies. We honor all ladies on Mother's Day, and we're so glad that you're here. Those who weren't able to be here, we honor you online through the internet. Isn't that amazing? We can do that. So I'm still amazed at it. I'm, I'm uh, an old man, so uh, all this technology is pretty amazing to me. I didn't grow up with it. Did you grow up with it? It's pretty amazing. It's a gift from God in so many ways. Well, today is Mother's Day, and I always enjoy uh, Mother's Day because I had a mother, and uh, she was a good mother, and uh, she gave birth to me. Uh, number three, I was the oldest boy, had two older sisters that were mean to me growing up, and some are still mean to me even to this day. Uh, had some younger siblings that I was mean to, so I'm, and I'm, I don't, I'm not mean anymore, but I used to be, uh, you know how boys are, you know, punch your brother, say, I love you, pow, right? Yeah. And so, you know, children are, are interesting. I had five daughters, and they were all interesting with their own distinct personalities, and they were a delight, and just fun to watch and see how they reacted to different things, different ways. Still that way today. I have 15 grandchildren, so I get to see it all over again, this time with mostly boys uh, that I have grandsons. Uh, didn't have sons, but they're a lot of fun to watch as well. They're, if you ever noticed that there is, I don't care what the culture says, there is a difference between boys and girls. And not just physiologically, but also in just the way they respond to things. It's pretty cool to watch. I enjoy the, the difference there. Uh, there is a little boy named Johnny. Maybe you heard this story before, but it's always a favorite of mine. And little Johnny uh, went to school. He's just a, a little first grader and went to school. And he says this, his story, he says, our teacher asked on one day uh, what my favorite animal was. And he said, fried chicken. And she said, I wasn't funny at all because she, because she couldn't have been uh, because I wasn't funny at all, but she could have been right because everyone else laughed. Everybody thought it was funny, but my teacher. And he says, my parents always told me to tell the truth, so I did. I said, fried chicken is my favorite animal. And I told my dad what happened, and he said my teacher was probably a member of PETA or something like that. And, and he said, uh, they love animals very much, Johnny. And he said, I do too, especially, especially fried chicken, pork, and beef. And anyway, my teacher sent me to the principal's office, and I told him what happened, and he laughed too, and he said, he told me, just don't do it again, Johnny. So the next day in my class, the teacher asked me what my favorite live animal was, and I told her it was chicken. And she asked me why, and I told her it's because you could make them into fried chicken. <laughs> she sent me back to the principal's office. He laughed again, and he told me not to do it again. I don't understand, he says. He said, my parents taught me to be honest, but my teacher doesn't like it when I'm honest. So today, my teacher asked me to tell her what famous person that I admired the most. And I told her, Colonel Sanders. <laughs> Guess where I'm at right now, he says. <laughs> Children have an uncanny ability to just be honest and share their true feelings, don't they? You know, uh, one of my favorite stories about mothers, and because I, I live this and watch my wife as well, a mother is the master of guilt trips. She showed me a photo of herself waiting by the phone that never rings. Mom, I call all the time, I said. If you have an answering machine, you know, soon uh, I, you would know that. But soon after, my brother installed one for her. Well, the next time I called, I got her answering machine. And it says this, if you are a salesperson, press 1. If your friend, press two. 
If you're my daughter who never calls, press 911 because the shock will probably give me a heart attack. <laughs> guilt trips. Well, I hope you don't suffer from guilt trips uh, from uh, whether you're a mother or whether you're a father or whoever you are because they lead to nowhere, don't they? But today I want to honor mothers. Uh, uh, I, many people over the last few weeks asked me if Donna was going to preach on Mother's Day again, and I said no, and they looked disappointed. So I don't know how many of you are here, but I hope you're still here anyway, even though it is just me, okay? So, <clears throat> so while leaving the church building last week, I walked out front out here on my way up the, across the drive, uh, the parking lot, and up the hill to go home, and I heard uh, a mother, <laughs> uh, her children out in the parking lot, they were getting ready to go, dad was right behind, and she, she gave a commanding shout to their child, you know, we're going home. So immediately I thought that was a mom voice, and I said, that's a mom voice if I ever heard one. You know, the kind of voice that I remember from my mom, and if I was ever in trouble, she used to call me Timmy or Timmy, you know, Timmy, you know, Tucker or whatever, some little nickname that she had for me. But if she was, if I did something wrong, it was Timothy Dale Hawthorne, you get in here right now. Anybody, anybody relate to that? It's the kind of voice that really got my attention. It was the voice of authority that I knew that I'd better respond to or I'd face some serious consequences. I'd heard that authoritative voice from my wife to our daughters as well uh, when they were young. It got their attention as well. Well, God intentionally, say intentionally, God intentionally designed women to be more tender-hearted and intuitive than men. Moms can also be wired to really rise up to protect their children if they sense any danger. Like a mother bear who senses danger that her cubs might be in trouble and she can get pretty wild who might normally be fairly tame and easy to get along with. You know, there's also, you know, mothers have the ability to give, and I think all females have this, I think God designed it this way, to give you the look. You get a look. And they don't have to say anything. You just know that something is not right. You know that look. Some of you guys know it, and I think we know it from our mothers. Sometimes this look, listen, this look can freeze ice on a 90-degree day, but it gets the attention of the children. It gets the attention of the husband many times, so we know the look, and we have to respond to things because even men, even husbands, have to be a little intuitive. You know, you got you to gotta be aware of certain things that are important to your, your spouse, to your wife. <clears throat> Our text this morning, what happens to be the fifth uh, of the Ten Commandments, the great Ten Commandments, is from Exodus chapter 12, verse 2. It says, honor your mother, then you will, your father and mother, and then you will live long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. It is considered to be the, the, the commandment with promise, that God says, if you do this, I will do this. And I have seen that played out so many times. And as I thought about the message this morning, I thought... <clears throat> That really, Mother's Day, and I know talking to some other pastors, they say, you know, I, you know, I just don't like special days because, you know, you got to come up with something new every day. And I think that's true with Mother's Day, Father's Day, is what else can you say about mothers after you've been in the ministry as long as I have or others who have been in much longer by the time they reach my age? And I thought, what else can I say that hasn't already been said before? The answer is, I doubt seriously there's anyone here uh, I, I can say that would be 
anything that I would say that would be new to you or something that you've not heard before. In fact, there are many messages today across America. You can go online, and the Internet's a great place to listen to other sermons, television, and everything from Mother's Day, that there's going to be a lot of messages on Proverbs 31, on the virtuous woman. Somebody say amen. Proverbs 31, verse 10 and 28 says this, Who can find a virtuous woman? Uh, the writer of Proverbs says, who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. Her children arise up and they call her blessed. Her husband also, he, and he praises her. And I think that's really a lot of the point of Mother's Day is that women deserve more than just a pat on the back or an occasional rose or something like that. They deserve to really be encouraged and praised and thanked for the investment that they have made and the nurturing they have given to their children. I, I think some pastors today are going to talk about Moses' mother, Jochebed, who, who uh, she was the mother of Moses, and an incredible story of how she protected her child. She, like all mothers, saw something special in her, in her son. How many mothers would say, yes, I saw something special in every one of my children? And, and she was no different. She saw that he was just a, an incredible child. And she sensed in her spirit, I believe from the Holy Spirit, is that not only is he an exceptional child because he's my child, he came from my womb, but also God has a plan, something special for this little boy to fulfill. And the, the enemy, the Pharaoh, really a tool of the enemy, has made a, an edict that all the male babies born to Hebrews were to be killed in the, thrown in the river and killed in the Nile. You know, isn't that a horrible thing, infanticide? You know, we have that going on today in countries across the world and in our own country, the sin and the disgrace and the shame of, of abortion has been the law of the land since 1973, Roe v. Wade. And, you know, if, if everything is true that we're hearing in the news, that will be overturned and the uh, they will go back to the state legislatures to decide whether they'll legalize it in their state. And I pray God they don't. Somebody say amen. You know, this is something that the believers who believe the word of God and believe in the value of every human life have prayed for and fought for for all these years. 63 million babies aborted. Pharaoh was just the start. That same spirit that motivated Pharaoh is alive and well today. And we need to continue to pray against it. Somebody say amen. We ought to be more than just say we're Christians. We ought to be Christians. Amen. Stand up for life. God gave a gift of life and we do not have the right to enter the womb and destroy a life. Somebody say amen. Uh, so uh, many pastors today will also talk about the story of Hannah, the mother of Samuel, the prophet, and how she dedicated him to the Lord after being barren so many years, prayed, went into the temple and prayed, and she was so fervent in her prayers to conceive and bear a child that, uh, that the, the high priest thought that she was drunk, and he rebuked her for drunkenness. She says, oh no, Eli, I'm not drunk, I'm just praying for a child, and he gave her a blessing and said, may what you prayed for come to pass. Well, God opened up her womb. Can I tell you something today? God still opens up wombs. God still forms and knits together a baby in the womb. It's not a mass of tissue. It is a human being that God has dis designed and God has destined for greatness in whatever area that he has called the, that baby to go in. And he's called parents, moms, and dads 
to help mold and shape the character of that child, to help them to find a living and active relationship with the living God through Christ our Lord. Somebody say amen. So certainly there's much we could say about mothers and many stories we can tell, but uh, what I have to say today will probably be something you've heard before, but I'm going to be real quick and say it. It's the story of mothers. It never gets old. I'm going to talk about three different things here is the recognition of mothers, number one. The recognition of a mother. What does the Bible say? The Bible says to give honor to whom honors do. And that's not just to pastors on, uh, on uh, Pastor Appreciation Sunday in month. It's not just uh, people in high places, but it is people in the most important place in the world, and that's mothers and fathers. Proverbs 3.27 goes on to say, Do not withhold good from those who whom it is due when it is in your power to do so. It is in our power today, and I speak today in honor of mothers. There's a couple of things I want to point out before we get too far into the message. Is, is number one, uh, the husband is to honor his wife. Now, husbands, honor your wife on this day. Say, well, she's not my mother. I heard that said. You know, uh, my wife says, where's my gift? Where's my car? Well, you're not my mother. And, uh, and that's not a smart thing to say. Amen? Uh, so we want to honor our wives. Honor our wives. What does the Bible say in Proverbs 31, 11, and 12? It says, her husband can trust her. And she will greatly enrich his life. She brings him good and not harm all the days of her life. Verse 31, chapter 31, verse 28 says, her children stand and bless her and her husband praises her. And I'll just say here today, just to publicly, and I've shared this before, Don and I have been married this August the 9th, 47 years, and I fully trust my wife <laughs> with everything and with anything. She is a loving and faithful wife. She's been loyal to me. She's been my defender and been my cheerleader, and uh, she continues to be that uh, as we go into, what do you call the golden age or the golden years? Sometimes you don't feel so golden, but we're in the golden years. She has enriched my life. She has enriched my life through uh, her, the way that she lovingly and nurt nurturingly raised our daughters and the way she treats our grandchildren, the way she's accepted our son-in-laws and loves them just like they were her own that our family is a happy family where we love one another and I give credit to where credit is due and you guys would be sharp if you did the same thing. This is an awesome thing. Her children stand and bless her and her husband praises her and I praise my wife today. First Peter chapter 3 verse 7 has something to say to men, to husbands. What does it say? In the same way you husbands must, say must, I, I see that word in Scripture, and it's an imperative. It's you must, absolutely must. And I always say when I see that word, I always think, and you maybe get tired of hearing this, but it's a good illustration, a triangle must have three sides, right? And so it can't have four sides or it wouldn't be a triangle. A triangle. And in the same way, you husbands, you must give honor. Give honor to your wives. Give honor to them. Uh, treat your wife with understanding, with understanding. You know, sometimes men are impatient, uh, they're in a hurry. Uh, sometimes they get got a short fuse and they get angry pretty easily. And, and sometimes when you're that way, you can snap at the person that you should love the most. 
And, and I think, you know, that God can help us with that so that we don't do that. But what does Peter say? He says, treat your wife with understanding as you live together. Uh, she may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal, say equal. She is your equal partner. Did you know that? You would know it if you read the word of God, but she is your equal partner in God's eyes uh, and in God's gift of a new life. I remember way back when, back in the uh, 80s, probably about 1986, uh, that we were at a full gospel businessmen's fellowship and Chuck Flynn, a prophet, spoke, called me out of a very large group of people that were there and he prophesied to him and I still remember what he said. He said, my son, I have given you my gift in your wife. And I don't think that was just for me. I think that's for men. God has given you a gift in your wife. Uh, and he goes on to say, treat her as you should. Why? So your prayers will not be hindered. You know, I wonder how many prayers have been hindered because we men maybe didn't treat our wife as we should and God's looking down and saying, you need to repent of that. I'm not hearing a lot of amens from the women folk here, but I ought to be hearing some amens. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5.33 says this, so again, I say each man must, there's that word again, love his wife as he loves himself. And us guys, we can really love ourselves really good, can't we? We can treat ourselves really good, right? You know, uh, you know, when we have the, the resources, and sometimes even if we don't, we can treat ourselves real nice. And we should treat our wives in similar fashion just as much as we love ourselves. I believe uh, God's area of accountability for a husband begins in the home. Accountability. How many know we'll all be accountable to the throne of God one day? And, and we'll be accountable for our home, how we lived our life in the home. You know, it's behind closed doors where your character is truly revealed. God sees inside our home, and he sees uh, in the home with the wife and the mother of our children. Before your child becomes an adult, they should recognize that dad loves and he honors his wife, the mother of his children. And I know there's a lot of second, third marriages and so on and so on. The, the, listen to me, the spouse that you are married to now, it is God's will that you be married until death you do part. Amen. And, and I don't make judgments about people, but I'm just saying that the spouse you love, but even if you are separated or divorced from the mother of your children, you should set an example to your children that even though we're not married any longer, I'm still going to honor her because she gave me you. She gave me you. And I love you. And I appreciate what your mother did. And should be some manner and some way of honoring the mother of your children as well as your wife to set an example. Too often an abusive husband sends an evil message to his children that the woman has lower value and sometimes sons will start as they become older begin to disrespect their mothers and speak to them as their fathers that I've seen this happen and heard it so many times and it's very sad and tragic and and later on will possibly become an abuser to his wife or his significant other daughters feel low self-worth when they see this and observe this and live through it and often Marry abusers, perpetuating generational curses or sins. And, uh, you know, when we trust the Lord, God can heal us of those things. Somebody say amen. 
And we can move beyond those things. The wife is to, secondly, I said I had two things. Secondly, the wife is to respect and honor her husband, uh, Ephesians 5.33. And, uh, and the wife, Paul says, must, there's that word again, must, respect her husband. Her respectable attitude can cause an unbelieving husband to turn to the Lord. 1 Peter 3, 1 through 2 says, In the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. Then, even if some refuse to obey the good news or the gospel, your godly lives will speak to them without words. You'll preach a sermon without words. And they'll be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. And not only that, you send a message to your children that... Your father is to be honored, and I respect him and honor him. That's an important thing, wouldn't you say? Amen. Amen. Uh, second point I want to make today is there's resourcefulness, uh, kind of wound up and bound up and invested by the Lord inside a mother. I think that's true in fathers as well, but the mother has these resources that she finds uh, just out of nowhere. Proverbs 31 verse 13 says she finds wool and flax, she busily spins it, she is like a merchant ship bringing her food from afar. Proverbs 31, 13 says she gets up before dawn to prepare breakfast for her household. You know, this is a pretty cool thing because I like food, you know. And a uh, pretty cool thing because my wife is a really good cook. It's a bad thing because when we got married 47 years ago, I weighed about 160 pounds soaking wet. And you can prove my mother didn't cook as well as my mother, or as my wife did. So she's done a good job on that. So she gets up before dawn and fixes breakfast. And, and uh, you know, I think about that staying up into the night, you know, where she works. You know, she works into the night. And I remember my wife, Donna, when the, our daughters were little, that every, every Christmas they had brand new dresses that she sold. You know, we were a one-income family. And so she's very resourceful in finding bargains. And she'd find material and get them and, and sew them beautiful Christmas dresses that they wore on, on Christmas Sunday, the Sunday that we went to church. And they were so proud of those things. And, and, uh, and then for Easter, uh, oftentimes Easter, she would get material and she would make them brand new Easter dresses and then sometimes even make hats. Uh, you know, if she didn't find one to buy, make little purses that matched the material of those. And she'd send them to her. They'd just walk in so proud of what God had done and through their mother, how God had created her to uh, be such a good mother. I remember her also staying up into the night sewing when five daughters get married, four are married and one's not still, but her um, saving money for the wedding for us by sewing bridesmaids' dresses uh, and uh, even I think three out of four times, maybe two out of four times, she sewed the wedding dress itself, the wedding gown and saving money. She's a very resourceful woman that I married. I mean, look at me. She cleans me up real nice every Sunday, right? So I think of the resourcefulness of a woman. I read on, online a story online about a single mother. You know, there's a lot of single mothers that deserve high praise. And deserve high praise. Amen? That's a job. That's a, that's a difficult task and a calling that they must do. Uh, there's a lady named Yvette Vasquez that I read about. She's from Texas, and she's a single mom of three boys. And there was one day she was driving to school uh, and to drop off her 12-year-old son off at his school. And she noticed an unusual amount of cars in the parking lot. And she asked him, just, you know, is there anything special going on at school today with all these cars here? And he said her son, 12-year-old son, said, yeah, it's donuts with dad day at school. And, and all the dads are invited to come and have donuts with their kids. So she dropped him off and suddenly she had an idea. So she drove back home and she dressed up like a man. 
And she even she had a, a shirt and a cap and even a fake mustache she put across here, a black mustache. She's just a skinny little lady. And she was uh, back there to support her child. And she came into the school, and there's this beautiful picture of her standing with her son at the school having donuts with dad, you know. She said, I'm not your dad, but I'll dress up like one so I can have a special day with you. And I thought that was pretty cool. Don't you think that's awesome? So, you know, you know, she, when this went online, it went viral. And it says that she, she not only was a big hit on, on uh, social media, but she also had a few offers to, for dates. I want to take her out. And uh, this must be a pretty cool woman here. I'm going to take her out. So, you know, there's also the story of the resourcefulness of a lady maybe you know and recognize, Susanna Wesley, the mother of John and Charles Wesley. And actually, Susanna Wesley, he's the founder of Methodism, the Methodist Church and the Nazarene Church and the Episcopalian Church all uh, had influences from that. Uh, uh, Susanna delivered 19 children altogether. Her husband was a parson in England, not a very successful one. In fact, his parishioners got mad and burned his house down once because they were going after him. Don't please don't come with torches and pitchforks at my house, okay? Uh, you know, uh, but uh, here, here he is, and and she was she was the mother. She 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 delivered, you know, all 19 children, but nine, including two sets of twins, died in infancy. So it was a very sad thing as well. Uh, another uh, was accidentally smothered in the night by a nurse as Susanna recovered from the delivery from her home delivery. Very very sad. In her, early in her life, though, Susanna Wesley vowed. She made a vow to the Lord that she would never spend more time in leisure entertainment than she did in prayer and Bible study. Even amid the most complex and busy years of her life as a mother, she still scheduled two hours each day for fellowship with God and time spent studying the Word of God. And, 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 uh, and uh, she adhered to that schedule faithfully, just faithfully, that was her pattern. And the challenge was finding a place of privacy in the house uh, filled with overflowing with children, as you can imagine. So Susanna Wesley's solution was to bring her Bible to her favorite chair and throw a long apron over her head, forming a sort of tent. And this became something akin to the tent of meeting, the tabernacle in the days of Moses in the Old Testament. Every person in the household, from the smallest toddler to the oldest domestic helpers, knew well to respect this signal that when Susanna was under the apron, she was with God and was not to be disturbed except in the case of the most serious emergency. Now, the lasting legacy of Susanna Wesley's prayers are this. John Wesley is estimated her son to have preached to nearly a million people in his long, fruitful life. This being mostly traveling on horseback and preaching multiple sermons every single day. His powerful evangelistic messages were frequently held in the open air to accommodate the audiences in the tens of thousands. Traveling on horseback, he regularly preached three or more times a day, often beginning before daybreak. Even at the age of 70 years old, he preached without the assistance of modern amplification to an estimated throng of 32,000 people. John's youngest brother, Charles, was very much a partner with his brother in founding Methodism as he was a gifted uh, musician, born with that ability, a prodigy. 
and uh, a vital contributor to this revival that that's really shook the entire world. He was a brilliant musician and lyricist, and he wrote more than 6,600 hymns, many of which are still in hymnals around the world today. John and Charles Wesley were passionate lovers of God and passionate and powerful pursuers of people's salvation. I think Susanna Wesley, really in heaven, is receiving the benefits and the credit for being a woman of God who committed herself to God in prayer for her children. It kind of reminds me of this um, uh, birthday card that I bought my sister once because uh, uh, she was a prayer warrior. And it says, instead of worrying about turning another year older on your birthday, just live your life so that every single morning when you plant your feet on the floor beside your bed, that the devil gets a cold chill run up and down his spine and says, oh crap, she's awake again. I think God created mothers to care. And I think men care as well, but women are much more tender-hearted and compassionate uh, rule of thumb. And I think we see the results of that in so many times and how mothers are honored on Mother's Day. My mother was, was that way. My mother got saved later in life, baptized in the Holy Spirit, and she became a uh, a, a woman of prayer for her children and grandchildren made a difference in their lives. That to this day, she's been gone many, many years now, that the grandchildren that really she invested in when they were uh, old enough to remember, remember her every year on her birthday and remember what a godly woman she was and how she loved. My mother had a lot of faults, but love surpassed all of her bad faults and overshadowed them. And I hope you're uh, today mothers who love. Uh, my third point today is responsibility. You know, there's a responsibility given to parents, mothers and fathers, but responsibility of your mother. Proverbs 31, 17 and 18 says she is energetic and strong and a hard worker. She makes sure her dealings are profitable and her lamp burns late into the night. I think about, uh, again, my wife back when she had cancer uh, after we'd been married a couple years, had a nine-month-old baby when she was getting sick and, uh, you know, started chemotherapy and went three months out of at least another year, the doctor said, that she would need. And God miraculously healed her three months into this. Uh, oncologist didn't believe it. He said, you know, you're going to die unless you have at least 12 more months of, of, of chemo. You had cancer in the fourth stage. But I remember coming home one day after she'd been dead fast for most of those three months, taking and had lost all so much weight down to skin and bones. I mean, just a skeleton almost with skin. I remember coming home after she was healed uh, more than, I don't even know if it's more than a week. And here she's up uh, out in the backyard, had personally taken the sh shovel and hoe, and she's out there digging up the ground and planting a vegetable garden. And I thought, what in the world happened to you? Well, what does the Proverbs 31 uh, mother say? She's energetic and strong and a hard worker. And uh, she was determined to get a vegetable garden planted uh, then after being sick. So what are, what are the responsibilities of a mother? I mean, we know these. I don't have to. I'm not giving you any shaking revelation, ground-swelling revelation. But what are the responsibilities of a mother? Whether she is the primary caregiver, working parent. Uh, so many mothers have in the workplace. It's very, very difficult for them. I know that it is. And, uh, but they do their best. 
but she holds an incredibly important role in her family nonetheless. Would you say amen to that? She's the primary caregiver. Whether a woman is working full-time or not, and the husband's working as well, when the baby gets sick or the children are sick, guess who gets up to take care of the children? You know, I, I remember a time when um, our children were late. I did my part, uh, but I had a sore leg for a week because I had to kick her to wake her up to get up to get the kids, you know. Uh, and some of you respond, you know, relate to that, but uh, she's a caregiver. You know, when the children get sick, they don't want dad normally. They want mom. I want mom. I want mom. You know, when mom's out of town, maybe gone visiting or something, and dad's taking care of, what are the kids when they wake up the night? I want mom. Where's mom? Our grandchildren did that. And grandma would suffice in a pinch, but they really wanted their mom. She's the health care provider. She's the activity coordinator. She's the child's teacher. She's the chauffeur. She's the financial planner. She's the emotional nurturer. She's the relationship coach who sorts out difficulties with the wisdom of Solomon among her children. Would you say amen to that? Motherhood is an incredibly sweet thing. And scripture teaches that mothers um, are to point their children, listen to this, towards Christ. So that at the very earliest age, they will receive Christ as Savior and Lord. Training them in those scriptures and in wisdom of the Lord teaching them good character as well. And I, I appreciate that my wife has done that. I, my oldest daughter uh, got saved when she was five years old after uh, we had a service at the church that evening and a missionary evangelist, Ruben Herrera, uh, missionary to Mexico, he used to be in the Philippines, but he's in Mexico. He preached a hellfire brimstone message uh, that night. And our children were always in church with us. You know, back then, the little church, we didn't have nursery full-time workers. We just took them there if you needed to. But our children learned to sit in church, and they would lay and sleep. And this was uh, no different. It didn't seem like she was paying attention, any of the children paying attention. But when we got home, Brother Herrera spoke about the heart and how desperately wicked it is. When we got home that night. She was crying and said that my heart hurts. And her mother tried to console her, thought she had an upset tummy and was trying to, you know, soothe her and try to treat that. And she kept saying, no, 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 mommy, in her sobs, my heart hurts. It hurts. And she kept saying, well, what, Beth, what's wrong? And she kept saying, my heart hurts. Suddenly, the, the Holy Spirit opened my wife's eyes and she began to think, you know, where, what do you mean your heart hurts? It hurts in here. No, mama, it hurts. She had recognized, listening to that sermon at five years old, that I'm a sinner. And my heart is desperately wicked. And I need forgiveness of sins. She led her to the Lord in prayer of repentance. That little five-year-old girl who probably hadn't done anything, I know for a fact, anything terrible her whole life, but she knew I need Christ. At the earliest possible age of accountability for the parents, especially mom, to watch and see and observe are you ready? Do you understand what salvation is? Do you understand you need forgiveness? Led her to Christ. She's a pastor's wife today serving the Lord and making a difference with her husband in the church that they serve in. So motherhood is important. They teach their children to love the Lord, to trust Christ as Savior, 
to nurture that relationship with Christ by teaching scripture and prayer and worship at home. Teach them to respect their father as well. It's important. Teach them to respect your father. Proverbs 1.8 says, My child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instruction. And thirdly, teach them to respect the family name. I think that's important. You know, the family name is important. What is it in Proverbs 22? One says, A good name is to be desirable than great riches, to be esteemed better than silver or gold. You know, the family name. What does it mean? You know, children uh, reflect the character oftentimes of their parents. They, re they reflect who you are, grandma and grandpa, how you behave, the language that you use, the attitude that you have behind closed doors. And it's important to teach them to respect people and to honor people. I think it's important that you teach them to respect authority and elders. That doesn't seem to be popular today. You know, children should respect people because they're elder and honor them. You know, it's just the way it should be. That's biblical. Uh, Proverbs 29, 15 says, To discipline a child produces wisdom, but a mother is disgraced by an undisciplined child. The family name's important, I think. I think it is. And lastly... I'm going to ask Catherine if you'll come back, uh, or Nate, whoever wants to. We're going to bless the mothers. Maybe Catherine would rather be at the altar. Uh, but we need to have mothers and fathers teach them to respect and honor authority, obey God's laws, to be kind and affirming to their peers and to adults, to obey police and to keep laws, to be honest and humble, to take responsibility. Isn't that a nice thing today? And to teach a good work ethic, to teach them how to work. Teach them to keep their word, their promises. You made a word, you got to keep it. Amen? I think these are things that I think a Proverbs 31 mother or a Calvary Church Assembly of God mother would do. It's a good thing, isn't it? The next generation represents you and who you are and it represents, should represent who God is and reflecting the values of Scripture and the character of Christ in all things. It's not an easy job, but it's a job that the Holy Spirit will help you to do. Somebody say amen. 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 Let's bow for prayer today. Father, thank you for your blessing. Thank you, Lord, for being here today in our worship, Lord, as you manifest your presence and the Spirit of God showed up in such a strong, powerful way. And we praise you and thank you for it. We thank you for each and every person that is here or listening online. We thank you and praise you. That, Lord God, uh, that you are so real to them, no matter where they are, because you're an omnipresent God. And, Lord, so we thank you for your presence and your power. And we thank you today for all the ladies, Lord, watching online or here today. We thank you, Lord, for their investment in the next generation, in children and grandchildren. We thank you for their love for all people. We thank you for even those who serve in King's Kids, Lord, that are in there today, Lord, serving and making a difference. And so God, we praise you and thank you for the ladies and for the mothers, the grandmothers that are here today. And we pray, Lord God, your blessing in Jesus' name. And I'm gonna ask as we close today that as you stand for a final blessing, that all the ladies would please gather around the altar for a final prayer blessing. We wanna bless you and pray for you today. Would you come today, gather around.
you, Lord. Come on around. Make lots of room. Spread out. So don't bunch up at the back. Clean the chair. Spread out. There you go. Yeah. God bless you. Yes, come all the way around. That's right. That's right. Amen. As Pastor Mike said earlier, <clears throat> there's a gift for you. And uh, as you're leaving today, and Deanna will make sure you get that. But we want to pray a blessing here. And that's what I'd like for you guys to do. Your mother, or excuse me, your mother of your children is here. And maybe your mother too. I want you to extend your hands this way towards these beautiful ladies today and pray a blessing with me over them. So Father God, I pray that the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, God would be released to each and every one of these ladies that are here today, mothers, grandmothers, maybe great-grandmothers, Lord, maybe not mothers at all, but they're women who you created in the womb, and Lord, you designed for wonderful investment in people and nurturing and love. And so, God, we pray that your touch would be upon each and every one. Lord, your Holy Spirit, Lord, would fill their hearts with the joy of the Lord that you created them and designed them to be women. What a wonderful gift from their creator, God. And we pray a blessing on them, each and every one here today, that the Holy Spirit would bless them with the blessing of God, with the kiss of the Father, the kiss of the Father, and the blessing of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Let's give